0: Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, I'm so glad to be able to connect with you again today on our uh, Victory Church weekly podcasts. I appreciate you uh, uh, listening, and I invite you to invite your friends to uh, listen as well. I um, started here a couple of uh, podcasts back talking about conscience and the real need for all of us to keep our consciences tender today. Um, uh, the conscience is being tested and challenged more than anything. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the conscience and so this is, again, the third podcast about conscience. We're living in the days that are similar to the days of the judges in Israel. And it said of the days of the judges in Israel. In fact, the very last uh, scripture in the book of Judges, Judges 21, verse 25, those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And boy, that is so appropriate to... How things seem to be, particularly in America today, um, because we've taken God out of the, of the uh, cultural climate. Uh, everybody's doing what they want to do, and boy, morals are at an all-time low. And that obviously directly affects conscience. First Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And here's again the reference I've made mentioned a couple of times to uh, the fact that uh, before Jesus returns, that generation would be a conscienceless generation. They had a conscience, but it become cauterized. In fact, it just was, there was no feeling to it anymore. Uh, Reason is the voice, and I've mentioned this uh, last time, I think. Reason is the voice of the mind. Thinking, reasoning, feeling is the voice of emotion, all the wide range of expression and emotion. But conscience is the voice of the human spirit. So again, we want to be careful with our conscience, Romans two fourteen through sixteen. For when Gentiles who have no, who have not, do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law. These, although they have not the law, are a law unto themselves. Who show the work of God, the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, in between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men, according to my. Gospel. So here he says, uh, Gentiles who don't have the law by nature do what's written in the law of the 10 commandments. He said they have a law written in themselves. What is that? Well, when you have the when you when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside and and it tenderizes the conscience. And the scripture says the law of God is written in our hearts. Hebrews 9:14 how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit "...offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God." Again, when we come to Jesus, our conscience uh, uh, gets on the track of being amended and cleansed. Hebrews ten twenty two. "...let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience." And our bodies washed with pure water. So he mentions here again an evil conscience. That is, that's a conscience that runs wild. That's a person who has allowed themselves to do whatever they want to do. It's called an evil conscience, and that's a that's a conscience that has uh, that has been influenced by the nature of sin that that we all had before Jesus came into our lives and we're born again. Hebrews thirteen eighteen. Pray for us. For we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. And so again, uh, the writer of Hebrews, and I believe it was the apostle Paul, mentions the fact that that they had a good conscience in living honorably. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if a, if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer for it, if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God. So he's talking here in, in Paul's day they had uh, slaves, they had servants. He said, be submissive to those who oversee you. He said, even to the harsh He said, for this is commendable if because of a conscience toward God you endure hardship and you suffer when you shouldn't have to. So again, he was talking about the importance of all of us Making sure we keep a tender conscience. And then first Peter three, fifteen through seventeen, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, the those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it's better if the will of God uh, if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing doing evil. He says here again, you know, honor God in your heart and make sure that you have a good conscience so that when people come against you, they'll see that your heart is right. And so, boy, isn't it important in the day we're living in today to have a good conscience. Here are some conscience quotes I've had in my notes for many years. George Washington said this, labor to keep alive in your breast, that little spark of celestial fire, called conscience. Uh, John Dryden said this, the conscience of a people is their power. Wow. So you think about the conscience of a culture. What, what is that saying about the conscience in America and the power we as a group of people have or we're drifting away from perhaps? John Wooden said, there is no pillow as soft as a clear conscience. Benjamin Franklin uh, said this, a good conscience is a continual Christmas. Martin Luther, talking about nailing the 95 theses on the walls of, uh, of the uh, Catholic Church there, I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is either right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me, God. Amen. So again, Martin Luther mentioned Conscience. He would not go against his conscience. I've shared some of this. I've gotten into the weeds on some of this, but I'm going to go ahead and go here. Ten things to know about the conscience. Number one: We live in a conscienceless age. In fact, Jesus, Matthew twenty-four, twelve: Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Speaking of the time just before he returns, and certainly uh, the time that we're living in fits. Jesus' description of a lawless age, uh, an all-out assault on conscience um, that actually produces lawlessness. And then familiar, quoted a lot now, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, uh, the uh, Living Bible. You may well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only themselves and their money. And so as I read the the description of the last days, according to Paul speaking to the young minister, Timothy, um, listen, he's speaking directly to a conscienceless age. He says, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to parents, ungrateful to them and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think, nothing of immorality. Wow. They will be rough and cruel, sneer at those who try to be good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-headed, puffed up with pride, and prefer good times to worshiping God. They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. Again, he's speaking of a of a conscienceless age. And I think I made reference to this uh, last podcast or the one before that, Romans 1.28, 28. And again, living paraphrase. So it, it was that when they gave God up and would not even acknowledge him, God gave them up to doing everything their evil minds could think of. Verse 29, Romans 1, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin, of greed and hate, envy, murder, fighting, lying, bitterness, and gossip. They were backbiters, verse 30, haters of God, insolent, proud, braggarts, always thinking of new ways of sinning and continually being disobedient to their parents. They tried to misunderstand. uh, They tried to misunderstand. Uh, they tried to misunderstand, broke their promises, and were heartless without pity. They were fully aware of God's death penalty for these crimes, yet they went right ahead and did them anyway and encouraged them to do them too. See, we're living in an age that is so consciousless, and You know, as we listen to the news, uh, people are, are doing terrible things to one another. Uh, crime is on the increase in an exponential way. And, you know, as I say that, any if you hear any of the news, it's, there's so many crazy things happening because when you abandon God, abandon his word, there's nothing that feeds the positiveness into conscience necessary to keep the human heart on a straight and narrow path. We need never forget that we are sinners in need of a savior. And the default of humanity is wickedness and deceit and treachery. And it's all because of the first man, Adam's sin. Number two, conscience defined. We've already shared this, the inner sense. Conscience is the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives. Um, Noah Webster says this, conscience is the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives, impelling one towards right action. And second definition, he says, conscience is the complex of ethical and moral principles that controls or inhibits the actions or thoughts of an in- individual. Oh, how important it is for us to instill in our, in, our young, in our young, young children the sense of conscience, the sense to do that which is right. And it breaks my heart to see what is happening with children, school-age children these days, when we're teaching children uh, aberrant pr- principles about sexuality that will affect them potentially for the rest of their lives, cause them to be conscienceless when it comes to morals. Number three, conscience. And we need to know this. Conscience is the voice of the human spirit speaking to us. I mentioned earlier that conscience can become the voice of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, may the, whole, may, may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be uh, kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Again, each part of our nature has a voice. Spirit has a voice. Soul has a voice. Body has a voice. And I mentioned earlier again, conscience is the voice of the human spirit speaking to us. Our conscience number four must be trained. Uh, uh, Former Supreme Court Justice, I think he's died, Anton Scalia said this, more important than your obligation to follow your conscience, or at least prior to it, is your obligation to form your conscience correctly. And how important it is today, my friend, to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow and to make sure that we instill principles within ourselves that can guide us through the mucky waters of our of uh, our conscienceless age. Our conscience is trained by observation, by watching others when we when we're, when we're born into a family, we observe the conduct and the character of our mother, our father and those that influence us in our young age where our conscience is trained by association we become like the people that we were around susan and i had four children and we could always tell when they were around certain kinds of people because they would come home with colloquialisms or they would come home sometimes with attitudes and we're thinking wait a minute that's not what we trained into them where did that attitude come in Come from. And we found out they were hanging around certain kinds of people at school. And we had to say, look, you know, uh, encourage you to choose your friends wisely because you become like your friends. Again, our conscience is trained by association. If you have small children, watch who they associate with very closely. I'm going to say it again. If you have children in public school, I tell you if by the grace of God if you can't take them out school them yourself or put them into into a Christian school which is not a perfect climate either because many people put their kids in Christian school to christianize their kids when they don't live for God themselves so you know you really got to watch it but at least there's a framework in a Christian school that if it's the right if they're doing right then it'll have a godly a godly sense about it and there'll be a godly influence there. Our conscience is also trained by the influence of our family and our childhood surroundings. So we have to be careful, particularly today with what our children see, what our children hear, what kinds of movies they watch, uh, what kinds of things they see. We're very careful Susan and I now that we have we have eight grandchildren and Boy, you know, of course they come over to our houses, a house at times, and we watch them and help them and talk to them, and we're very careful about anything that they watch. We don't let them look at anything that would in any way taint the conscience. Again, as parents, we must know that we're training the consciences of our children uh, by our own actions, by our own words, by our own choices. You know, um, as Susan and I were in the child raising and training years, all of those years, of course, all of our children. Our youngest is 30 years old this year, and so we've got four children. They're all grown and married, but I, I remember our goal as a parent, and I said it over and over again, and Susan and I talked about it. Our, our goal as a parent, listen to this, was to raise conscience-driven children. Now, see, it's different when your goal is to raise conscience-driven children because to raise a conscience-driven child takes time. The rod and reproof, proverb says, bring wisdom. But a child less left to himself brings his mother and by default father to shame. So again, to raise a conscience-driven child, it's not just that you reprimand them. It's not just that you discipline But it's disciplined with teeth. That is, got to sit down and say, now, what just happened? you got to talk. As age appropriately, as they learn and begin to reason. Small children don't reason well, and they need to be handled a certain way. But as they age and get older, as soon as you can, uh, uh, as you discipline your children, sit down, talk to them about what happened. I know for me, for our children, I would take them to a certain place in our home, we would sit down and I would say, okay, what just happened? We had some very simple guidelines in our home to live by. They broke the guidelines. They have to come and talk to me. And there was a discipline time. During that discipline time, I would say, what just happened? What did you do? And I'll let them respond. Was Did you do the right thing? Well, no, I didn't. They would would say and and so what should you have done differently and they would say well I should have done this or this or this why why was I doing that I did that because I wanted to train their conscience don't just discipline my child I talked to my child about what they did and then you know what after we talked through that and I did what I did with my discipline for my children at that period of time uh, always ended that little session with my child as they did something wrong that needed my attention, I would say, no, grab my hands, we're gonna pray. And often they, they didn't want to. They were still upset about what happened. They were upset that they upset me. and They were upset they got caught and all that. But you know what I did? I said, we're going to pray because not only did you do wrong and disobey me, but you know what? You disobeyed God. When you disobey God, there's always a penalty associated with that. Now, you know, you disobey me and there's a penalty associated with disobeying me, I would say. And so here's the penalty. But but you know what? One day I won't be in your life. And one day... Uh, You'll have to answer to God on your own. You'll answer to two things. You'll answer to, to, to the civil rules of our society. You'll answer to your boss. You'll answer to others. But, but more than anything, you'll be answering to God. And when I'm no longer in your life, I want you to do the right thing, not because you might get caught, but I want you to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Y'all, I said that to my children over and over and over and over again. So again, my goal as a parent was to raise conscience-driven children. And you know, none of us are perfect, I'm certainly not. My children aren't perfect, but you know, I-, I can say that that as they aged and now they're on their own, you know, they have a conscience and I'm really grateful for that. You know, I wanted, you know, really two things when you go back to child training. I, I wanted uh, to raise children that were good citizens and who were conscience-driven. And uh, that would be a good admirable goal. It would be something for you to think about as we talk about this number four on 10 things about conscience. Conscience must be trained. I mentioned this uh, last podcast, 1 John three twenty. for heart condemn us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So again, our conscience has to be trained. When you come to Jesus, your your conscience is not automatically trained. You have to train your conscience in the things of God. And you train your conscience by by reading the word, meditating in the word, and then putting God's word into practice. And what happens is, if you have a, a method of reading the word, reading the scriptures every day, and then sit back and think about what you read, then as you go out through your day, you're having conversations with people, we're working, we're fulfilling our obligations, Doing things that we need to do in life. And as we're engaging in life and there's a rub that comes or we have a decision to make and we could go one way or the other, you know, uh, because the Word of God is in us. How many times have you had Scripture come up to your mind? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, be angry and don't sin. You have all kinds of Scriptures that come up to your mind as you live life. See, that shows that a conscience is being trained. Again, so we have to train our conscience in the things of God. So our heart can condemn us, as it says here in 1 John 3.20. Our heart can condemn us when God doesn't condemn us. You can have an overworked conscience. And that is you, you never feel like you do anything just right. Well, see, that's as much of a problem as having no conscience because it makes you a it makes you a person that is strict and rigid. If you're strict and rigid with yourself, you'll be strict and rigid in your relationship with others. And there's give and take in life. Not that we sin, but there's give and take. And, uh, and uh, you know, don't be so rigid. And rigidness, if I can use that kind of, a, of an expression to explain what I'm talking about, then is a person perhaps who has an overworked conscience. And so, again, we have to train our conscience in the things of God. First Corinthians 10 23 through 25 says this, All things are lawful for me, but all, not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each the other person's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market. And they had meat during the, uh, the time the Bible was being written there. and Paul was writing this that was being sold in an open market there in the Middle East. And, uh, and it was sacrificed to, a, uh, to an idol. And so he said, eat what is sold in the meat market asking no question for conscience sake. See, so again, the apostle Paul uh, magnified living with an honorable conscience. Next time when I come back, I'll continue this uh, list of 10 things we need to know about our conscience. And the next time we'll also look at at, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and then Romans chapter 14. Both of those chapters are really good. Um, they might not use the term conscience, but they talk about how conscience changes life and, and changes how we deal with the things that come up in life. You'll find that quite interesting, and they will continue our talk here about, uh, talking about 10 things to know about the conscience. Lord, I pray for me and all of us today that we would allow our conscience to do its work, that our conscience would be developed. Lord, as we, as we read your word, as we meditate on your word, Lord, as we get around other believers who love you, Lord, iron sharpens iron. Let that sharpening ministry happen in every one of us. And Lord, may we keep our conscience in a conscienceless age. In Jesus' name. God bless you, my friend. Looking forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church weekly podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure... Uh, that you subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Uh, doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.